Hi there and welcome to VMware WAG with me, Mike Laverick. Yes, I'm not to be outdone. I'm constantly inventing new words, usually with the, the words WAG at the end. I don't know. Uh, I, I need to get a life, I think, and stop thinking this way, having to create my own names all the time. Anyway, today we have with me uh, Ken Wennerberg, who is from VMware, shock horror. It's the VMware WAG, therefore VMware people are on it. Uh, get with the program. Um, but Ken, can you introduce yourself to everybody listening in and, and watching? Who are you? What do you do? Um, and I guess that will kind of frame the reference for what we're going to chat about today. Sure, yeah. So I manage the technical marketing for business continuity and disaster recovery at VMware. I'm a senior tech marketing manager in the cloud infrastructure group. So my role is really to do things like create blog posts, create white papers, talk to engineers, find out how the products work, and turn that into sort of publicly consumable material of some sort. And really, it's a pretty broad mandate talking about uh, whether it's our field training or whether it's presenting at VMworld or whatever it happens to be. Uh, it's really just about creating content for public consumption. Sure. And the thing we're going to focus on in this particular session is questions all about vSphere replication or, or VR as it's abbreviated to. <laughs> so without further ado, VR was a relatively new technology because it only really surfaced with uh, SRM 5.0 uh, last year and we're already into a, another kind of iteration on it so um what's new and glorious in vr 5.1 or vSphere replication 5.1 right I call it that. yeah uh well there are a couple of things i think the the major changes in terms of how it's been packaged and how it's been delivered uh as you'd mentioned it was introduced in 2011 with site recovery manager 5 uh subsequent to that with 5.1 we've in essence decoupled it from srm and it's now delivered as part of the uh, base platform. So it comes with vSphere uh, as long as you have a, uh, an Essentials Plus up to Enterprise Plus license, you're entitled to use vSphere replication. So decoupling it from that disaster recovery orchestration tool is sort of the, the big change in terms of the architecture and, and really giving end users of just the vSphere platform the ability to replicate and get your data somewhere else. Uh, and of course, it still comes with Site Recovery Manager as well, but I think really broadening the reach of vSphere replication into uh, lower additions and, and decoupling it are the big ones. There are a couple of other changes that we've made as well at, at, on a technical level in terms of performance improvements and things like that. We can talk about those too if you're interested in them. I think for me, the big change was when I first looked at VR, there was still the the, the appliance itself and then a separate management mm -hmm. system, um, and you had two appliances. And then right. you know you could have more than one per site, and obviously two per site if you wanted to do bidirectional replication. But I, I must admit, this time around, the deployment process seemed a lot more simpler and more streamlined than it right. perhaps was in the first iteration. Do you think that's a, a fair comment for me to say? It, definitely. So again, because it was tied to Site Recovery Manager initially, we had a slightly different architecture, and that architecture is still there if we're using SRM. So you mentioned a couple of different appliances. So vSphere replication itself is actually, it's a kernel module. It's basically a, a virtual SCSI filter that sits within the hypervisor and it just tracks the blocks that are changing on disk as VMs are writing to disk. And then what these two different appliances would do, we had one called the VRMS, the vSphere replication management server, and one called the VRS, the vSphere replication server. And we needed one VRMS per site, uh, in essence coupled with a virtual center server, and that just acted as the management layer. 
Uh, it would interface with Virtual Center, with Site Recovery Manager. It would set up the replication schedules. It would track RPOs and things along those lines. But it wouldn't actually participate in the replication. And then the hypervisor would track the change blocks, and it would ship them to the remote site. But no, uh, it would ship it to the VRS, the vSphere Replication Server, which was the other appliance that we would deploy. And the VRS receives the change blocks from the hypervisor, and then it writes it out to disk using a network file copy on port 902. And uh, what we've changed, that was the old architecture. So what we've done is, in essence, consolidated those two different virtual appliances that we needed in order to manage and uh, receive the change blocks and do those things. We've consolidated them into a single appliance. So it's now called the vSphere Replication Appliance, which we can deploy one per site, one per virtual center, in essence, I should say, and makes it much simpler because that, that VR appliance is really a consolidation of those two different appliances that we had before. Yeah. So to get up and running, it's just a matter of deploying a single appliance that registers vSphere Replication as a service with VC, and you're off to the races. Now, if you're using Site Recovery Manager, I did mention that that old architecture is still there with SRM. And it's not necessary to deploy further appliances, those VRS appliances. But if you're looking at things like scale, if you're managing up to, let's say, 100 uh, virtual machines, whether standalone or, or with SRM, it's a very straightforward process. You apply, deploy the appliances and you work. If you're starting to look at 300, 400, really anything more than about 100 virtual machines, then you still want to deploy those additional VRS uh, appliances to, to really scale and provide some resiliency in the environment. With the standalone architecture, it's it's not a concern. You have those that single appliance per virtual center and you're done. Mm -hmm. But if you are using SRM, then we still have the option to deploy those additional appliances for scale and resiliency purposes. But, I mean, the other yeah. thing I thought was interesting about this particular release is how we could do replication just within a single site. Because so often mm -hmm. we think about replication as from one site to another. But the, the way VR is constructed is you can have replication just happening internally to a site. And I was doing a, a podcast with a guy who represents a, a S&B company. And he was saying, actually, one of their primary uses for replication wasn't necessarily DR between two sites, but having a, a, a backup copy, a replica that was just minutes behind their, you know, their, their production and actually doing recoveries internally. And I must admit, I sat there with my SRM hat on, viewed it in a particular box and never really considered that, that kind of within a context of a single site, the context of a single virtual center, there's still a good case for using uh, replication, isn't there? Absolutely. And I think, again, that comes back to the change in architecture of going to that single appliance and decoupling it from SRM. Uh, because we now have just the one VR appliance registered per virtual center, we can now do some more interesting types of uh, use cases or models of the architecture, as it were. So, yes, the single VC is one of them where you can deploy uh, your VR appliance registered to that VC, and it then acts as both the management framework and the recipient of the change blocks. So, when you configure replication for a VM, all it cares about is that it has a target. So, you can have a virtual machine sitting on a data store and within a cluster and you want to replicate it, it'll ship the change blocks to that VR appliance and then write it out to a different data store. So you then have two different copies of that virtual machine sitting within one data center. One's ready to be picked up and recovered on, uh, on a whim at a moment's notice, as it were. Uh, that's one use case scenario, having the single VC environment and using it almost like a, a near-time backup or, or something along those lines. It's obviously still not full disaster recovery, 
for a couple of reasons. We only have the one site and we also need to worry about things like virtual centers to recover those VMs. So if you lose an entire site, that's obviously not going to provide much benefit. But for rapid recovery of an environment, that's a very good model. And the other one is getting into multi-site deployments. With the Site Recovery Manager, you're really tied to one of two architectures, which is the paired sites or having an end-to-one, a shared recovery type of a model, uh, because each site needs to have their own full virtual center, site recovery manager, VRMS or VR appliance, and so forth. But with this model, all we care about is that the hypervisor can resolve the VR appliance and, and route to it. Uh, so we can actually get to a model where we have a single VC managing a whole bunch of different WAN-based environments and replicate into that single VR appliance. So we can do sort of a, um, a, a fan-in type of a model, all managed by one VC. And again, that's not full DR because we need to worry about that virtual center being up and running in order to do recovery, but it gives us some measure of protection against remote site failures. So it gives us options while still not having that full orchestration capability of SRM. I understand. Now, I mean, one of the things um, I, I've noticed a lot with the way VR has been received is that there's been this tendency to, to class uh, vSphere replication as an SMB technology and array-based uh, replication, or a ABR as we sometimes call it, as what the big boys, what the enterprise will use. And I perhaps should give away why that, that sometimes irks me is that I think sometimes people make that distinction and then that's it that then sets their expectation or their view of a technology forever and it becomes too an easy way of going ah yeah that's not for us and then we no longer have to look at it each release each new version to say well well maybe it isn't maybe it's improved on change so I, i've been trying to push back against uh, vr is just for smb um but um I, I don't know what your view will be on it ken but you know what are, what are the arguments for and against there is some validity to it as a uh, predominantly an SMB technology, and I think that comes down to some of the limitations of it. So the very first thing that we need to talk about is, I think, the uh, recovery point objective. So how stale do we want to allow our data to get uh, during an outage? How much data loss can we sustain, in essence? Mm. So recovery point objective with vSphere replication is at best 15 minutes. It's really a, a window between 15 minutes and 24 hours that we can set in terms of a slider or a dropdown or whatever you want to call it uh, for our RPO. And obviously 15 minutes is, is a pretty good replication schedule and with a lot of customers that's quite sufficient and really by the time you start stacking up a whole bunch of data across a wire, sometimes that's all that's achievable. But uh, obviously with array-based replication, you have much better options in terms of the recovery point objective. You can get right up to a synchronous replication if you want to with zero data loss or zero um, uh, staleness of data, as it were. Um, so that is one area where you really need to determine which one is the right technology for your environment. And the other one is something like consistency groups. So if you're using array-based replication, you can obviously set uh, a data store with virtual machines. You can say these will now be snapshotted or replicated or failed over as a unit and you can maintain things like right order fidelity between or across virtual machines and things along those lines. With vSphere replication it, you can't do that. It's a per VM replication policy. When you select um, uh, replication for a VM what you're doing is choosing an individual VM and we'll have cross consistency within the VMDKs within that virtual machine but we don't have this concept of cross VM consistency like you would get with the consistency group on a 
on an array. So there are a couple of limitations there that may make it um, a little out of or, or, or a little lacking compared to some of the array-based replication technologies. But that's uh, tends to be the corner case where customers have that really high demand for rapid RPOs and for cross-disk uh, cross VM consistency and so forth. On the other hand, uh, if those are not primary considerations, if a 15-minute RPO is quite sufficient and you don't need to worry about a file net system that has four different VMs and write fidelity across those VMs is very important, it is perfectly valid as an enterprise solution. And what I see is a lot of people getting uh, particularly in the SMB, and I think this is where a lot of that, that consideration comes from, uh, are, are quite happy with the, the technology and they use it as their own only replication engine that they have. Mm. The enterprise, we're starting to see some people are just saying, well, the use case for this is quite sufficient or for their needs. So they might have remote offices where they don't need synchronous replication uh, and that will work quite happily. But they may also have critical systems are replicating from a major data center to another and they're using array-based replication there. So layering in the appropriate technology where it makes sense and you get the best bang for the buck and, and the cost-benefit analysis works out in its favor, it, it's quite sufficient. It's a very resilient protocol. We have lots of different uh, fail-safes built into it in terms of how the data is handled, what's being sent across the wire, how we handle different failure scenarios of an appliance or of a host or things along those lines. So it really is a very robust enterprise-class technology but that's not to say that it's better or worse than array-based replication. I think what's interesting about what you were saying there is one of the things that some people might identify as being um, a limitation, I actually see as an advantage, the fact that the replication is per virtual machine rather than the whole LUN, for me, is one of the big selling points of, of VR because the number of times you meet customers who haven't, for want of a better word, separated out their VMs onto different LUNs by business unit or by application, and literally they just put the VM on the LUN with the most free space on. That means when they come to do um, wanting to move a particular business unit or move a particular application or even use SRM for a data center move, they could be looking at quite a lot of storage vMotion to make sure the right VMs get moved from one site to another. And with the granularity that vSphere application gives you, there's, there's a usage case there. I mean, the other thing I think of is, you know, array-based replication is wonderful, and I've written quite lengthy books about the configuration, but it does assume that all of your arrays are all on the same particular release level and support the, the same SRA. And, and that's not something that's in the hands of of, of us, it's in the hands of a potentially another another team. Are there any other cases where you see VR becomes like a kind of killer app? No, that's that's it exactly. And I was, I mean, I talked a little bit about some of the drawbacks compared to array based replication, and and uh, you stole my thunder there on that. Really, <laughs> precisely the, the 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 real benefit is that we have this concern around how we lay out our storage. And as you mentioned, a lot of times what people will do with their data stores is I'll create one big one and then I'll fill it. And then when I'm running out of space, I'll create a new one and then I'll fill that one. And of course, when we talk about the site recovery manager usage of replication, the recovery plan dictates how something fills over in the sequence. But the protection group is really what determines the, the unit of failover. And the protection group consists of data store groups and data stores that hold your virtual machines. Mm -hmm. So an SRM situation where you really need to look out for your data store layout precisely because of, as you mentioned, we fail over an entire LUN or entire data store 
and all of the virtual machines therein will fail over as part of uh, that protection group. Mm. So your storage layout and how you put your disks in different places and how you worry about your scale because then people need to worry about filling those data stores and and you end up with a whole bunch of smaller data stores in order to accomplish tiering of your failover and things along those lines, uh, which is fine. It's just a management issue more than anything. But with Visa replication, it is a VM by VM replication policy. So we're not tied to the data store. In fact, we're completely uh, agnostic about what the underpinning storage is. As I mentioned, it's a SCSI filter. So as we're tracking those change blocks, uh, I never at one point in that process mentioned uh, the disk subsystem. So what we're doing is tracking change blocks being written to a certain region, and then we can grab those blocks. We don't care if they're sitting on NFS, if they're sitting on a VMFS. We don't care if they're being written out by iSCSI or by uh, Fiber Channel or if they're using local disk. It doesn't matter. All we're doing is tracking those change blocks. So as you mentioned, we now have per VM granularity in terms of our failover and our replication, and we can have multiple vir virtual machines with different RPOs sitting on the same data store if we want to. But we also have the capability of uh, very finely dictating what virtual machines fail over. What When we create a virtual uh, a Visa replication protection group, it's simply a matter of choosing the virtual machines we want to fail over as a group. And we don't care about what disk they're sitting on or what data store they're sitting on or what protocol they're using to be, to be written to disk. Now, my caveat around that is that, that that is a very powerful thing. We get a lot of people that want to fail over individual virtual machines or, or services or applications. The caveat is that um, obviously we then need to worry about the management of if we've got 500 virtual machines that we're replicating and we want to fail each one over as an individual entity, we would need to have 500 protection groups and 500. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. But yes, if, if you're worried about having a little more granularity in terms of your failover with SRM, then we need to worry about either small data stores or at least um, well-laid-out data stores, or we can use Visa replication and just pick and choose as we see fit. Sure. I mean, what I've done in my lab, lab environment since I've started looking at vCloud Director more is I've got four arrays in my environment, two NetApps and two Dell Ecologics. Um, two of them are SASH-based and two of them are SATA-based. So, you know, whenever I got an array from a, a vendor for doing SRM work, They'd always send me a SAS and a SATA, um, one as a, a source and one as a target in terms of um, the capacity and whatnot. So I've got my NetApp replicating to my NetApp using array-based replication, the Ecologics replicating to the Ecologics, but they weren't of the same capacity for obvious reasons. And that left over a, a quite significant portion of SATA space, but I couldn't do any replication between them because there's no native replication between the NetApp and the Ecologics for obvious reasons. So what I've done is created a, a third tier of replication, if you like, which is the, the VR replication. So I'm able to offer different tiers of storage for different qualities of experience. And each one of those different tiers of storage has different RPOs, five minutes, an hour, with the VR replication being, you know, the lowest entry point in terms of replication. Now, that's not to, to make VR, again, that fictitious, is it better or worse than array-based replication? But it was spawned from the fact that I had this area of free space and no way of protecting it. And then, bing, a light bulb came on, and I thought, well, why not use VR between these two? And it, it's a great illustration for me when I'm, when I'm writing or when I'm explaining things to people, the way different technologies can be blended together in that particular way. But anyway, I wanted to move the, the, the question on to um, 
another kind of topic, which is, I guess, more kind of looking what the, the rest of the industry is doing. You know, we've developed this thing called vSphere Replicator and, you know, others are uh, snapping at our heels. You know, why would somebody pick, uh, you know, VMware's method of using vSphere Replication over, over another? Or are there any compelling reasons why they might pick, you know, the VMware method over uh, any of our, anybody else doing a similar kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I mean, it's there. So we don't need to worry about layering in extra technologies. We don't need to worry about going to third parties. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Visa Replication is now part of the platform. So it's something that's very accessible. It's very easy to start evaluating and looking at it. It's simply deploying one vSphere replication appliance and you've got it up and running. So the accessibility of it, the integration with the platform, uh, we talk about hypervisor-based replication. You hear a few claims for this in, in the marketplace where people say, we are the only uh, hypervisor-based replication and that's not entirely true. We're very tightly integrated at that hypervisor level, obviously. It's a it's a kernel module in essence with the with this uh, filter in place so we have really good integrations at that platform level it's very accessible we have some capabilities as well that I think are fairly unique in terms of the ability to sort of reconfigure things on the fly make changes and then if we want to upgrade to something like SRM to get that orchestration to get the testing the reporting the repeatability of uh, a failover environment it's very simple. You, you literally just install SRM and it will automatically pick up those replications that you've configured with the, with the standalone Visa replication product. So the integration with the various DR components and aspects of, of the Visa suite is a pretty compelling thing, I think. Sure. I mean, the way I'm looking at it is, you know, when we do something and another vendor does the same thing, the way I look at it is that they're kind of validating that particular approach of doing things. Um, like if it was only us offering some sort of replication at their uh, hypervisor level um, that would be great we would have sealed at the market but it'd be like well, why is VMware sort of you know going in a direction that nobody else is following in a way competition sometimes validates a particular approach but I'm also kind of thinking about um, you know the wider kind of goal of the software defined data center having these sorts of controls and having that capacity to have it in the platform makes replication that much more virtual than it's than it's ever been. I mean, I've sometimes said VMware's done for replication, you know, what we've done for, for virtual machines. We've virtualized it. But um, on, a, on, a, on a bigger scale, I think the fact that, that vSphere replication is now part of the platform makes vSphere replication part of the cycle of releases as well. So when, when new versions of the product comes out, we have in mind the, the vSphere replication product is, is on that same train. It's not... Uh, attached to the train coming out a little bit later and that's sometimes the situation where you get with with other vendors that uh, you're on one release but they're another by putting the the replication layer onto the same sort of process of you know new releases that i think will make things a little bit smoother absolutely and i think without talking about roadmap items in any depth uh if you look at the future and you've mentioned the software-defined data center vision uh what we've done for the servers and software is what we're also doing, for example, at, at the storage level where we're getting towards abstracted storage and look at the NICIRA acquisition and what we're planning in the network space. This concept of software-defined data center is absolutely core to what we're doing. So I think the future is uh, for VMware 
going to be software-defined subsystems, as it were. And replication is part of that. So as we deploy a system, we want to get to the point where we can say, I want this protected uh, locally with five levels of nines and across sites at four levels of nines or whatever it happens to be and automatically dynamically create networking uh, to house that environment. Uh, it, it definitely, as, as you say, in terms of the, the platform roadmap cycle is closely tied to what we're doing at the vSphere level. And, I mean, we just had a patch 5101A that uh, came out for vSphere replication, which was more or less released in cycle with the um, 5.10A uh, patch update. And that's not by accident. We're, we're really trying hard to make sure that as we're releasing features and patches and new capabilities, new revisions, that everything is tied together onto a common uh, development platform and cycles. Okay, well, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask a really technical question, and it's one that always comes up around the area of backup and also replication, because the two are kind of tied to each other to some degree, which is the question of quiescing. Um, and, you know, we've got various applications that sit within the guest operating system, like, you know, mail stores or database stores or Active Directory or Exchange data. How, how does um, vSphere replication tie in with the, the sort of VSS volume, shadow, copy sort of service and the, the different application writers and things that you have there? Uh, so let's first define, app, I'm glad you used this terminology about quiescence and, and making sure that an application and the data is quiescent rather than necessarily consistent because to me, application consistency implies a lot broader uh, concepts and that's where we start talking about cross VM dependencies and making sure that things are uh, that applications that might span different or services that span different applications on different servers are working in orchestration together and being replicated together. In terms of application quiescence, uh, vSphere replication has some fairly good uh, integration with volume shadow copy services from Microsoft. So that's the first key point right there is that it, it really is just Microsoft Windows. If we're using 2008-2012, we have a, the ability to choose as a replication property for the VM. So let me back off one more step here as well and talk about uh, uh, this might be long, Mike. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> no, go for it. When we set up replication, it is per VM, as we mentioned earlier. You can literally right-click on a virtual machine and set its replication properties, or we can shift-click on a bunch of virtual machines and set their replication properties. So we can do it on mass if we want to, and as long as all their settings are going to be the same. And the settings for replication, one of them is RPO, how old do we want to allow the data to get? One of them is obviously target data store. Where do we want to put that? Uh, another property is going to be whether or not we want the applications to be quiescent or the operating system to be quiescent. So the way that one works is if we hit a drop down as part of the properties for replication, you can choose application quiescence value of none or of VSS quiescent. So it's uh, do you want it or not? You can configure it as broadly as you want, as long as it's yes or no. Uh, <laughs> Option, if you choose to do so, what it will do when it comes time to set the to grab the replication bits, and I'll come back to that in a second because this actually has some some impact on a couple of things. When we grab the blocks that are to be replicated, we've selected an RPO of one hour, and at some point within that one hour, which is the piece I want to come back to, we'll take a look at the bitmap of change blocks. We have it in two locations: one's in, in basically memory, and the other one's on a, what we call a PSF file, persistent state file. 
and will grab the pointers to the blocks from the PSF file, read those blocks off the disk, and then ship them across the wire. And if we're not using VSS to QSA operating system, it's very straightforward. We just grab those blocks and away we go. Uh, if anything changes while those blocks are in flight, but it hasn't actually been written out, then we, we keep we do a copy on write with that individual block, and then we commit that after the, the writes are completed. If we have chosen VSS for those um, for the quiescing mechanism, we'll issue this wider flush to the operating system through the VMware tools. And the way that used to work with the, the, the 5.x release was that it would really just issue the, the quiescing to the VSS as a simple call. Uh, it's not doing a full copy or anything along those lines, which means all it's doing is just asking the operating system to basically suspend writes to disk, flush whatever it has in memory. It can dump things like registry and so forth as well. It's a very quick process. Then we grab the blocks after we've ensured that the operating system has flushed its writers uh, um, through VSS. With version 5.1, we've improved that to some degree where we now ask any present application writers to flush as well. So we're doing something like a full VSS copy where if there's, for example, a SQL Server and an Exchange SharePoint, something along those lines, they'll have integrated writers with VSS. And we reach up again to VMware Tools and we ask those writers to flush first. So if those application writers flush, that's great. If they don't, that's great as well. We don't actually check for the result codes of that application writing, but we're hoping that it has flushed and the applications are now quiescent consistent. As well as that, the operating system will also flush its, its, its writers. And then we have consistent data, that we're quiescent data that we can grab a copy of and replicate. So after that VSS writer comes back with a, a result code of yes or no, we now have quiescent data. We grab those blocks and replicate them. If for some reason the application writers don't flush, that's not a problem. We'll still do an operating system quiescence through VSS. So we have, at best case, application quiescent data. Uh, second best cases, we'll have operating system uh, quiescence. And even if that fails, if we get a, a, a failure code back from the VSS write, it doesn't matter. We still do a VM level quiescing. We, we, in essence, just very temporarily pause the writes to disk grab the blocks that we need, and then allow it to go. It's a very, very, very minor um, impact to the virtual machine. There's almost no um, performance impact, whether we're doing full VSS or VM-level quiescence. Uh, tiny impact, almost not measurable. But we have, in essence, cascading protection for those VMs if we, have, uh, if we choose to use VSS to make the application quiescent. Well, I can see that if I get room to writing another book on SRM, there will be a chapter on quiescence and I'll be getting you to write it. <laughs> Hopefully, Mike, you give me a bit more time and then we, we can uh, a little better things about this as well. Uh, the other thing that I do want to highlight with that is that I, I kind of mentioned VSS full copy. These are some technical terms that, that Microsoft uses in terms of the way a VSS flush is handled. Uh, whether we create a full separate disk for that virtual machine as we're snapshotting and so forth. One thing we don't do with this is uh, log truncation or rollover or whatever you want to call it. So it's very important to note that this is not going to handle application longevity, as it were. If you're worried about things like that, uh, you still need to do this either through backups or through standard log rotation mechanisms that will also use VSS, but we're not handling that. What we're doing is looking at this purely from a... Uh, a crash recovery type of a perspective 
uh, not from an application handling that, that you can also do with VSS in terms of the log rollovers and truncations. Well, great. Well, it's been great chatting to you, Ken. I'm sure we'll have you on again the next time we roll around. Stick with us um, because coming up with a bit of luck, we'll be having a quick demo of vSphere replication. But once again, thanks a lot for your time today, Dan. A real pleasure talking to you, Mike. And I look forward to the next time.